0: Hi, Goblins, Brandon here. Uh, sorry for getting this out a day late. Hopefully, it's not a dollar short. Uh, I threw this up in the GG podcast channel on the Goblins and Growlers Discord, but just explaining that between uh, last time, uh, our recording, uh, technical difficulties eating our entire recording session, uh, resulting in two weeks ago, the hey, sorry about that, uh, release, and then Josh actually just moved and uh he's been dealing with that pretty much all the you know the past week so we kept trying to figure out the logistics for recording something for uh yesterday's release and just couldn't come up with anything so what i've had to do is uh go into the vault and do a break glass in case of emergency and uh what we're going to be doing is it's an interview i recorded um a good while ago now probably about 16 months ago uh with a writer named jason michael and The reason I wanted to talk to Jason is because he's working on a book, and it actually still hasn't come out yet, so this has the benefit of also still being timely. Uh, But he's working on a book called Questing for Glory, and it is a definitive history of the Quest for Glory game series from Sierra Entertainment that uh, was popular in the 90s. There were five games for it. It was a really formative gaming experience for me as a kid uh, because i would play these all the time and they were point and click adventures kind of like your king's quest and your space quest and monkey island and stuff but they had uh, an rpg element to them like at the beginning of the game you would choose which class you wanted to be where you're going to be a fighter a thief or a magic user eventually you could uh, change class into a paladin at the end of the second game but it was all there was all a character sheet for it and you would Uh, apply stats to your character at the beginning of a playthrough and then you would have the ability to like level up through practice and things like that it was really fun and it was for me one of the ways when i got involved in dungeons and dragons in the 90s it was something that was kind of analogous to it that helped me to sort of understand what i was doing Uh, i was just a huge point-and-click adventure game fan, like any anything by you know Roberta Williams or anything like that, I was all about playing. But anyway, so Jason is working with uh, Lori and Corey Cole, who are the creators of Quest for Glory for Sierra, and uh, he's working with them. Uh, and I actually just uh, checked up on the book situation the other day when I realized we were going to have to put this episode out, and it sounds like it's still chugging along and it's close to done. They're just trying to nail down the. Uh, the uh, legal agreements for stuff like screenshots and things like that in the show notes i'm going to put a link to uh the twitter for the book for questing for glory but anyway i hope you all enjoy this um it's a little orthogonal from some of the stuff we usually talk about it's still firmly sort of in the gaming camp and it has a lot of nostalgic gaming value for me uh, in terms of how it connects to tabletop and things like that but if you've never played quest for glory you should absolutely check it out um, I think it's on GOG.com now. That's where I, the current copies that I have. I think that's where I got them from. But it's absolutely worth checking out. Uh, if you're too young for the point and click adventures of the 90s, it's uh, it's worth going back as a, a little throwback to check out. But anyways, I'm going to cut to me now uh, from uh, like November of 2021 talking to Jason Michael. So I hope you all enjoy this and we'll catch you again in two weeks. Uh remember bit.ly slash goblin discord join the discord telephone telegraph tell a friend about the goblins and growlers podcast five star reviews all that stuff uh the big cartel store got plenty of stuff there but uh hope you all have a great week and again sorry this was late. Josh and I are committed to doing better and uh, we're gonna meet this week and do some planning to make sure we have more stuff in the tank going forward. Thanks, have a great one. Also, BT dub, I feel compelled to apologize about the audio quality on the interview. Not because it's bad audio, it's just I was a bad editor at the time. Uh, This was a while ago, and I've learned some stuff since then, so I apologize for the pops and ums and lip smackings and all that stuff. Enjoy. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for taking time to speak with me tonight.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so um, why don't we just start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and your credentials, because I know you talked to me a little bit about your your role-playing game bona fides and everything and then we'll get into sort of the meat of the conversation
1: sounds good i um I, as you noted i've been working in writing role-playing games and, and other freelance writing for almost 20 years now um those are those are some of my my best credits uh my most recent credits anyway um and you know i think i have also just been a fan of the quest for glory series since I sat down and played Hero's Quest, which is what the first game in the series was called before a bit before the, the lawsuit. Before <laughs> the lawsuit, yeah, before before <laughs> Sierra uh, was taken. Oh, well, they they weren't taken to court, but um, they they could have been over the game Hero Quest uh, because yeah, that was Mil- Milton Bradley, right? Yes, it was. Milton Bradley yeah. wanted to get into the computer games market, and they thought their trademark was threatened, and Sierra said, "Okay," um, and changed the name to Quest for Glory. So
0: we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I'm I know, way I deep know. into the nerd this, stuff on this.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Right. So um, let me. So let me back that up. So I, I first played uh, Heroes Quest or, or Quest for Glory one um, very soon after it came out. I had a friend named Nick who lived up the street, and we would play basically whatever uh adventure game was re- was out recently and his computer was the coolest computer on the block which i realized is <laughs> a little bit damn it was a 486 noise. and it had a whole 200 megabytes of hard <laughs> it, drive yeah it was it had a it had an ad lib sound card which was mm. you know super super high end for the time and you know so we could it wasn't just beeps and bloops you could hear actual <laughs> midi uh, music which was really cool and so we played Heroes Quest, and I ended up with my own copy of Heroes Quest very soon after that, and I was hooked. I played, I more or less grew up with the series as a gamer um, from the time I was 12 years old all the way through college, which is when Quest for Glory 5 came out. And mm-hmm. um, so it was, it, as I sort of grew and, you know, grew up, the, the series sort of grew up with me, and it's always had a special place in my heart, so...
0: Yeah, so um, yeah. I want to I want to take a second here. I think you and I are about the same age. Um, just judging by what you're telling me and the timelines that are there, like mm-hmm. I turn 40 next month.
1: Uh, am I in the ballpark there? A little bit older. Uh, okay. I I just turned 43 actually. So
0: okay, I mean that's not that's not yeah. far off. No, um, no. we're
1: pretty, but
0: we're pretty close. the The reason the reason I'm contextualizing that is I think it would be worthwhile for us for people who are not as old as us uh, to just sort of talk about what the point and click adventure game was and just sort of that point in time for gaming um, Mm -hmm. and what that kind of thing was. So, uh, you know, I, whenever I think of the point and click adventure game, I think of King's quest, which I think I think most people would have that same answer either that or probably like secret of monkey Island or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, for, for those who are unfamiliar or just too young to know any better, uh, it was a graphical adventure where you either had a little parser and you moved your character around uh, or, or with the arrow keys or later where you just clicked, you had your little walk icon, you could right click, turn it to a look or a pickup or a talk. And it was just, it was interactive. It had dialogue trees, things like that. I might, yeah. you know, would you, would you call that an accurate description?
1: Yes. And they were Typically, the, I, I would yes and you by saying the other sort of selling point, if you will, was the puzzles, uh, some of which mm-hmm. can be fairly obtuse <laughs> for yeah. to find solutions to. And it was usually combining objects with things in your environment or... Um, or objects with other objects or you know speaking to the yeah. right people to unlock things and, and stuff like
0: that. yeah i remember one time my dad got really mad at me because i ended up accidentally charging like 45 dollars to the sierra hint line nice because i was playing king's quest 5 and i couldn't figure out where to get a fish uh-huh. like and it was in a barrel that was looked like it was part of the background art for, mm-hmm. for one of the for one of the rooms oh. and then my, f- my favorite example of the obtuse puzzle is from uh, uh, Monkey Island 2, where to advance toward the end of the game, you have to get this handkerchief and just rub it on a door to unlock mm-hmm.
1: the door. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there were some good ones with the in the Monkey Island series, especially And the I know everyone points to the wow, what? Oh, it's from I think it's from Gabriel Knight 2. So it was a later one where you have mm-hmm. to make a fake mustache out of cat hair. And uh, it's just, it's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I never, I never uh, played
0: Gabriel Knight, too. I was a huge fan of the first one, but I never played two or three.
1: They're, you know, and they're actually, they're, they're good games. I, I think they're even available on GOG. Uh, I, I would hope so. But, yeah. um, they're, you know, they're worth If you, if you, if you want a retro feel, they're, they're worth it. So, <laughs> but,
0: so what is, what sets Quest for Glory apart from a lot of those more, let's call them traditional, point and click adventure games that sort of uh exist in the zeitgeist when people mention that
1: genre i think the the main difference is that it is also a role-playing game so you can choose at the beginning from three different classes of hero the fighter the magic user and the thief and you have a set of skills uh, attributes and skills that you can put points to just like you're building a character in in a tabletop role-playing system and then the puzzles in the game are different based on what the class you've chosen and then there's certain parts of the games that are only accessible if you are uh, you know a thief for example only a thief can get into the thieves guild or only a, a magic user can get into the wizard's uh, well, the wizards—we'll call it the wizards' wizard school for sure. The Wizards
0: yeah. Institute of
1: Technosery—that's the one. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, will the will the listeners know what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly <laughs> I don't know, the- and I'm the only one here. There so you go. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. So the um and and the, the puzzles tended to be a little less well, a little less obtuse for the most part. Um, and then and the story sort of flowed between the games. You could actually export your character from a previous game and import it into the next game. So there was continuity with the character that you sort of built and invested in over time, and the story of the games became your own as you, you know, if you were a thief, for example, played through all of the thief content from one to five.
0: Right. I think,
1: what was your your preferred character class when you would play i would i have almost always played as a paladin uh which is which is the fourth like hidden class so right in, in... but you can't
0: you can't get that until the end of two right that's correct yeah, yeah.
1: so fighter fighter to begin with and then you can or um, well actually wizards and, and thieves can become paladins if they work really hard at it but uh, yeah i always no, played
0: thief but i managed to make paladin a couple times
1: on some playthroughs nice nice yeah um yeah i think in, in two you really have to work for it if you want to do it but um it's it, yeah. it's uh yeah and so i i always enjoyed playing as a paladin yeah Little, I, yeah sorry
0: I, go ahead. no no it's fine and i was just gonna say like uh, you were talking about the sort of the story of the character can go from game to game to game mm-hmm. and that's like sort of meta in that it's the character you create and you develop And you take it from game to game to game, but also sort of the loose thread of the story that hangs everything together is you start out as this guy who's just graduated from adventurers correspondence school Mm -hmm. and you get sent out into the world to do stuff and just sort of like dominoes. One adventure leads to another, to another, to another. I think if you look like like at the timeline of all five games, Mm -hmm. the hero gets maybe a couple of days rest between the end of the first game and the beginning of all the action in Quest for Glory, two, And yeah. then after that, everything just happens one right after another. Yeah, yep,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, there's I think the longest if I remember correctly, the longest time gap is between 2 and 3 and it's like a, maybe a month. I'd have to mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and look, but like otherwise it's pretty much yeah, it's just it, dominoes is a great way to put it. It's like just boom 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 boom. So
0: yeah. yeah. And and there's like a at a certain point a sort of an underlying storyline for the series developed. Um But we can get into that in a little bit. I want to touch on um, sort of your motivations for writing this book and sort of what the elevator pitch is for it, because I'm kind of curious, because it seems to me that it's really just sort of a, a project born out of like fan love. But from what you've sent me and from what I've sort of looked into, you also like are relying heavily on Lori and Corey Cole the um designers and developers of the series uh so i don't i don't know if you're sort of working with them in a more um official capacity on the book
1: or what very closely yes actually we are i I knew the Coles from about 10 years ago when Mm -hmm. i did a series of of let's play videos on youtube um (laughs) i know and uh and they actually did some interviews, or I was able to interview them when I did it and incorporate some of that into my Let's Play, which was really cool. And so I, the the sort of inspiration for this book came about um, sort of three things all sort of happened at once. I, uh, there's a series of video game books called Boss Fight Books. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. but I'm not. It, so they're there's sort of like the thirty-three and a third project for which is for records where where an mm-hmm. author will take one a really in-depth look at one record. And then the boss fight books are are that theory applied to video games. And so they occasionally offer open pitches for like hey pitch us a video game that you want to write a book about. And so I pitched them on Hero's Quest and I'm pretty sure I made it fairly far into the process and <laughs> before I got the rejection letter, but I got a rejection letter. Um mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, well that's kind of, you know, that's kind of lame, but um <laughs> but, but, <laughs> That's a good know, attitude. Yeah, you know, but but that's okay. You know, I mean and and listen, 20 years of being a freelance, <laughs> being a freelance writer, you get mm-hmm. used to rejection letters. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. totally okay. Um, and at the right around the same time, a book that I had kickstarted called The Sierra Adventure had was published uh, or shipped was published. Um, and it's written by a person called Sean Mills. And uh, Sean did an amazing job interviewing ex-Sierra staff to talk about, it was basically the history of the company right Um, and i know
0: you recommended because you and i had some twitter exchanges before Mm -hmm. for a while before we sat down and talked i know you recommended that one to me because i ended up reading ken williams book Mm -hmm. uh for those who don't know ken williams along with his wife roberta were the founders of sierra and roberta was one of like the lead and most popular game designers of the company she created king's quest you know it all like started with mystery house and it all just sort of Mm -hmm. went uphill until it didn't go uphill anymore right (laughs) but uh but yeah, you recommended that I read uh, Sean's book, and I haven't yet because I just haven't had the time. But as I understand it, like that's pretty much just a—he's fa- just a fan that decided yeah. to do the work yeah. and wrote the
1: book. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I read that, and I was I was astounded at the the amount of depth and work he put into it. And you know, it is it, it is a his a living history book, or or you know a. a I guess I'm not exactly sure what the the term is, but you know, it's a history book written with uh, interviews with primary sources. It's the, it's the
0: definitive
1: history of Sierra. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I I was actually away at a cabin uh, this week on the the (laughs) weekend, these two things, I was reading the one and I got the letter and I was like, you know, wait a minute. What if I, did the same thing and did a definitive in-depth look at quest for glory and just did it myself and kickstarted it like what what why not and so i emailed cory and i said hey would you you know would you be okay if i did this and he said yes but laurie and i want to work with you directly this is our story to tell uh, you know as well and we want to be a very active part of it and i was like awesome that's great that that is Wonderful. So, yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: if you can get buy in from the people who actually created the thing, like, geez, yeah. man, that feels like that's like 75% of it right there.
1: It is. And absolutely. And what it's allowed me to do is take the perspective and really drill into the creative development of the games and get into like, this is what, you know, things that inspired you know the the plot elements things that inspired design choices like you know why why were these things done from a creative point of view and that kind of ended up being the direction the book yeah is going
0: deep hard-hitting questions like why weren't there more thief options in shapir
1: exactly well and it's it's the biggest city i should have been able to rob hundreds of people there rob everyone at least a third of it no Mm -hmm. it's you know it's um you know and and i want to i think it's important to do those sorts of interviews with people like now you know because Mm -hmm. it's like getting this history down is important and the quest for glory games were incredibly influential not just on people like you and me who you know i think grew up and and on them and kind of you know incorporated them into our lives but also just on game design you know like I'm mm-hmm. in mean, art like i i one of the I have an interview with um i am not allowed to say this person's name yet but uh let's just <laughs> let let's just say that uh I believe his a film he wrote won an academy award i anyway it's a film if I were to say this his name or the film's name everyone would be like oh my god um but <laughs> He was heavily influenced by Quest for Glory, and so it's wow. like you know, it's it's sort of this like amazing network of you know discovering this network of creative people, and not even just creative people, like engineers. Oh well, I mean, okay, whoops. I, well, let me back that up. <laughs> creative in a different way, than, yeah. You know, um, like engineers and 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 even marketing people, right? and um you know people who work at like nonprofits who were inspired in some way by these games that i've been speaking to and like, that's been amazing so that's that's part of as much part of the book as like why did you choose to design the lion tar city and quest for glory 3 like a ziggurat so mm-hmm. you know like
0: yeah i know what you're saying because um like like i said the quest for glory games were kind of a uh Um, like a gateway drug for me to RPGs because I didn't Mm -hmm. actually start playing like D&D and stuff like that until I was maybe like 15. Mm -hmm. But I was playing um, Quest for Glory when I was like, you know, 12, 13, 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, those games and like King's Quest games and stuff. And Quest for Glory really sort of opened my eyes to the idea of like different solutions for different skill sets. Like when it when it comes to the point of like designing an adventure or, or or, you know, writing something for D and D &D that people are going to play through. Yeah. Um, It's one of those things that just seems like such first principles when you look back on it, but when you're learning, you know, you, you need that example Mm -hmm. to help point you in that direction. And that, that's what it really, that's the game's legacy for me as a, a game writer and a game designer.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Talking about that original question of sort of the motivation. I mean, it sounds like it's just coming from a place of love, and you just happen to be a person who is fortunate enough to really love this series and also know the people who made it.
1: Yes. And, and <laughs> I, I love it. I know the people who made it. And it kind of struck at a point in my life, too, when I was looking for a new writing project. I, mm-hmm. I was working on a novel. I ended up kind of back-burnering it. And, um, you know, and I was, you know, doing freelance work, but this was sort of a few, well, it was a few months into the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. so I had intentionally put some of my freelance work aside as well. And I was like, "I, I would like a project. I would like something new. And, like, so it literally all just sort of came together on that one weekend away at that cabin. So yeah that's I awesome. Mean, Did you I've go been... out
0: there by yourself just to sort
1: of get away? It was with my with my family, but yeah, okay, so well, that's yeah. awesome. So sometimes you have to sometimes <laughs> Seattle is such that you have to leave it and get out into <laughs> nature so um I have you know now that we're talking a little bit
0: about the Coles, um mm-hmm. I have kind of a question about some of the con like some of what they're informing you in the book. um do you talk about or do you get them to talk about their reflections on the series like with the value of hindsight like decades later Mm -hmm. yes okay can you give me a little
1: taste of that i think yeah there so a lot of that comes in each so let me actually let me let me back up a half step so i do weekly Skype calls, or well, nobody uses Skype anymore. We, I do week <laughs> I do weekly. It's like the cl- it's the Kleenex.
0: Calls. It's the Kleenex of uh, know, visual right?
1: telecommunications. I do, I do weekly Zoom calls with them, where and and I come in with a literally a list of questions, and we try to burn through as many as we can in in a week, and um, so so that's sort of our interview process. And what I don't get to, you know, in that session, I will email or. know if i have a one-off question like sometimes i'm like hey how many units did this game sell and like they can turn it around and just answer it really quick and i don't have to wait for it but Mm -hmm. so, so you know there's a there's definitely like a level of kind of a good level of access for getting things answered fairly quickly and in terms of like you know them kind of reflecting back on stuff the the chapters I, uh, of the book, at least the game chapters, have sort of I've broken each game down into like a chapter about the development of the game and then a chapter about the game itself, which is I think mm-hmm. what I provided to you for Quest for Glory Three. Yes. And and so a lot of their reflections have come through mostly in the development chapters and mm-hmm. talking about you know things that like I'm trying to think of a, a good example off at the off the top of my head. Well, Corey, Corey and I were just talking the other day about um some of the we're we're I'm right around the part where I'm talking about the bridge between Quest for Glory four and Quest for Glory five. So and that mm-hmm. that was a, that was sort of a you know kind of a three or four year gap in there. And, you know, they had originally started production on quest for glory five shortly after quest for glory four came out and it was going to be another point and click game using the sierra creative interpreter engine um Mm -hmm. in in vga and they the there there was a directive handed down from sierra management that all game budgets needed to be cut by 20 percent and
0: was this was this um Like post Ken, like post acquisition?
1: This was post acquisition, but still, Ken was still there. Okay so ken had moved to bellevue at this time yeah um and he had come back or or i i'm sorry if it wasn't it may have been just pre-acquisition now that i'd have to i'd have to double check the timeline and
0: just for the again for the context of people who aren't as big of nerds as you and me um you know sierra was kind of like the, the the golden child the shining city on a hill of uh of gaming companies and then uh, they agreed to be acquired by a larger company and long story short, kind of felt like they did them wrong, uh, cause they kind of did. And the culture changed completely there and eventually mm-hmm. Ken pieced out of the whole thing. The founder of the company just was like, for my own sanity, I've got to get out of here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and you know, a lot of, uh, bad, like there were a lot of bad feelings. And as, as with, you know, the stereotype of an acquisition by another company, like you were talking about budgets cut, stuff yeah. like that.
1: Yeah. And it's i and i and I think, as you were talking, I think i I you know that kind of jogged my memory a little bit this was this was right before the acquisition in order okay. to show that the company could be more profitable and so th- there was a direct right, right. just down, standard
0: standard pre sale or acquisition bookkeeping
1: yeah, exactly, so the directive was handed down that um budgets had to be cut by twenty percent uh the coal's basically said we we you know literally can't do uh quest for glory 5 for 20% less budget it's not going to work um i actually have the memo that they drafted to to management that um it's one of the earliest digital artifacts i have which is really pretty cool um that's and, cool. yeah and actually i hope if we can do it i'm going to um include all of these uh these things i have there that the the, the oh my god that would be great yeah as appendixes in the book so they you know they said we can't do it and they said okay the game is canceled and Corey, you know said later like you know one of the things he was talking about was like i think i should have just said yes because they really didn't look at the budgets that high and if they had invested the money they would have just given us the rest of the money just to finish the game anyway so i probably should have said yes but i but he's but at the same time he says you know he said i don't like to lie and so i wasn't gonna sit there and lie to management about this too and so you know Mm -hmm. it was and and you know i think there's there's things like that where you know they kind of look back with you know they can look back now with hindsight but, you know, it, when you're in a situation like that, it's kind of more difficult to, to really you know, often see the forest for the trees.
0: Right. Well, that's, that's interesting, because I, I sort of remember when I was a kid, uh, talk about like, oh, yeah, you know, Quest for Glory 5 is going to come out. And then all of a sudden it wasn't coming out. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, it's back and it's delayed or something. You know, I never really knew the full story, obviously, because I was, you know, a teenager. Mm-hmm. But uh, that that's really interesting to know. That's some of the stuff that was behind it. Yeah. Um. So. there. I guess there's a lot of this kind of stuff in the book, especially in the development chapters where they're just sort of like reflecting or filling in details and stuff like that. Like if you're a big fan of the series, it's going to be one of those things where you're like, oh, man, like I just want to absorb all this sort of behind the scenes stuff like a sponge. Mm
1: hmm. That's that's the goal. And, you know, overall, I think, you know, you you, you asked about the inspiration for the book, but, you know, the goal for the book is we want to give super fans like as much cool information, especially information that isn't necessarily out there in other places as we possibly can. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. in addition to the, the memos we have. Uh, I also have the, one of the early, other earliest digital artifacts. Is I have the story design documents for the original Quest for Glory 5, So, which where you can see how the story evolved from the first iteration, the one that was going to be created in 1994, up to you know how it changed between then and 1998 when the game came out. And so, you know, we'll be able to kind of show that as well, but. You know there's a lot of things that are out there on the internet. Like you could you could go and look up like here's all the fifty ways you could die in Heroes Quest or, you know, like it's a you know, here's a special Easter egg. But you know, I don't wanna just duplicate which people can go look up on the Quest or Glory wiki. I would much right. rather, you know, if if there is an Easter egg, for example, I would much rather get into the reasons of why that was included. You know, why why are Laurel and Hardy walking around in, in Quest for Glory 3, you know, or something like that? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> why, why is Fred Sanford in Quest for
1: Glory 3? Exactly. So.
0: Yeah, I actually... Um... Talking about that, like that was what that's one of my most enduring memories of Quest for Glory three, because I was like, I would always just like watch Sanford and Son with my dad when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, like I just it just blew my mind when Fred San Fred Lamont Sanford showed up in Quest for Glory three. So, you know, 20 years later, I'm writing the first. Uh, original adventure that I'm going to run for a large scale group of people like because one of one of the things Goblins and Growlers does is we run essentially like pickup games mm-hmm. of D&D for between 45 and 70 people uh, in breweries and we write all original content for it so you know I was cranking stuff out and the first one I wrote was like a desert adventure and it included uh, two traveling merchants who were Fred and Lamont Sanford and I lifted that unashamedly completely 100% from Quest for Glory 3.
1: That's outstanding. That's great.
0: Yeah. No, it was it, it was great. But yeah, like like I'm sure there are easter eggs um that went over my head as a kid mm-hmm. uh, that I could go back as an adult and r- read this book and be like, "Oh, yeah. Okay, I'd forgotten about that or it just didn't register with me." Mm-hmm. But that's fascinating. Yeah. And you know, like especially if you've got like you're in a very unique position of having a conduit to, you know, the people behind the game. And, you know, you'd be super remiss. And I think you realize that if you didn't do that deep dive to try to find that stuff, Mm -hmm. like mine out those little nuggets that aren't just available out there on the wiki
1: totally yeah and and it's been the process it it hasn't just been with the colds either it's been with you know i've talked Mm -hmm. to musicians i've talked to artists i've i've actually talked to some of the like executive management from the old days too which is which is very cool um you know but like Mm -hmm. being able to talk to aubrey hodges about like you know the inclusion of um uh Oh shoot! I can't remember the name of the music now, but it's the in um the hotel music in Quest for Glory Four, but you know and like why he chose that particular track and you know it just like the the ability to to just have to to like you said to mine that for for the kind of. Insights behind what's there is just amazing, and I'm, you know, there's a reason this book is I, at current count about 107,000 words and growing. So <laughs> I'm, i honestly at this point, if it keeps going at this rate, I'm and I and we include screenshots. I'm not terribly sure how like if I'm going to be able to publish this and it's not going to come out looking like you know a thousand page it's just, thick book, but this is going to be a doing. tome. It is. That's and that's okay. <laughs>
0: How many chapters are you are you like looking at like realistically right now?
1: Uh, about I think there's 25 that are planned. Um, actually, let me open mm-hmm. my <laughs> Pl- can... planned. Yeah, Well, that's actually down from <laughs> I I had to cut a few mm. just and <laughs> most actually and not not because like it, it was mostly because that work ended up in other parts of the uh, in other parts of the book. So I was like, well, we don't really need a a chapter on you know exclusively on music because we have you know essentially yeah you're just dropping that in in various places yeah exactly so yeah but yeah um Um, so 27 chapters planned oh okay okay i mean that's that's reasonable that's reasonable
0: you know it depends on how long each chapter is but (laughs) that's reasonable i think the the development chapter for quest for glory three that you sent me was like eight pages, yeah. um, you know, it just like eight, you know, typed pages, which is going to translate to something different, obviously in uh, like a bound book. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I thought it was interesting uh, in the um, sort of overall chapter about the game that you sent me for uh, quest for glory three, how it almost reads like a very elegant and adult written walkthrough.
1: Yeah. I you know, and I actually when I I edited it before I sent it to you and I I walked back the walkthrough a little bit because I wanted to give like (laughs) a summary of the story and the things that happen, but not just you know, not turn it into an FAQ of like, oh, and then use this object on this. So yeah. Yeah,
0: it's like no game facts eat your heart out. Exactly.
1: Right. (laughs) So
0: yeah, you know what it was you know what it was missing? It was missing a big thing of ASCII art at the very top before I scrolled down to the actual nice. hints. Nice.
1: Well, I'm I'm <laughs> hoping the very first pages of the book are going to be the same don't pirate this game warning it's, uh, from uh-huh. Hero's Quest except it's just going to be don't pirate this book. So, yeah. Not that anyone's going <laughs> to pirate a book, I suppose. I mean, I guess they they might, but I mean, people, people will
0: steal anything as, you know, I always played as the thief in quest for glory. People will steal anything. Fair, (laughs) fair enough. (laughs) Um, I just want to ask you just a couple more questions about, um, the coals and Mm -hmm. then move on to some other stuff. But, um, I know, and I've sort of like kept an eye on stuff that they were doing, like, here and there over the years like every couple of years i'll like quest for glory will come to mind and i'll just check and see if they're doing stuff they've had a couple of like quest for glory adjacent projects since mm-hmm. sort of the fall of sierra right like yes. hero
1: U and stuff like that here, hero U, and then uh their newest project is hero U summer days which is bound by the time I, I, you know, I don't know what your turnaround time is between interviewing and publishing podcasts, but it may be probably a month and a half, something like that. Okay. Then absolutely. It will very likely be in open access on steam. So if people Mm -hmm. are looking for another Lori and Corey project, it is probably on steam right now. Um, that summer. Is that, is that
0: designed to be, is that designed to be like, like sort of a classic style, RPG. I know. I know. Like one of the original projects they did was, uh and this was sort of like, I feel like it was in the early 2000s, and it was almost like the Adventurers Correspondence School sort of come to life uh, on the internet.
1: Yeah, that's kind of oh right. Um, the yeah, School for Heroes or whatever the website. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. 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 Um. I'm that, dredging memories way out of the back of my mind closet right now. No,
1: totally. That that was kind of their interim project between, you know, cuz after after Quest for Glory 5 shipped, you know, they um well, Chainsaw Monday, which is the right um, which is the the in the Sierra Fan Lexicon. That's the day that um the company was basically laid off and shut down so yeah that was a bit
0: like when oakhurst was like shut down and stuff wasn't yeah,
1: it yeah exactly yeah. yeah um and that was that was february 22nd of 1999 and quest for glory 5 shipped in ooh, november of 98 i just i was just writing about this i it should be right at the top of my head but it's yeah also like a- one of the last ones out the door <laughs> Yeah, it it was literally. I think the the only other adventure game Sierra published after that was Gabriel Might Three, and that mm-hmm. was later in '99. But yeah, and and Lori was laid off in Chainsaw Monday, um. So yeah, it was uh that and that was it. So um, and I think between there and you know when they kickstarted Hero U, in 2012, 2013, I'd have to I'd have to look the um. They, you know, I think they just kind of <laughs> probably took a well earned rest. Would be, yeah, you know. Um, I mean, their th-
0: development cycle on on Quest for Glory was more or less nonstop, wasn't it? Because like there was mm-hmm. like periods where like Lori would go, like I think she went from like the VGA um, remake of one, like straight into three, didn't
1: she? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you yeah. know, and and they were. They had started pre production on Quest for Glory four before even before the C D version of sorry, of pre production on Quest for Glory five, the one that got cancelled, even before the C D mm-hmm. version of Quest for Glory Four shipped. So Corey was still working on like the voiceover work with with um, you know, the, the VA um mm-hmm. talent before and you know, and Lori was pre proing the, the next game, so Yeah. So yeah, so they deserved a break. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I w- I would say so.
0: Yeah, and just and hero, you just sort of like grew out of their desire to just keep playing mm-hmm. with uh, sort of that idea that format.
1: Yeah, that's and it's you know it's set in Gloriana is the name of the the world that the Quest for Glory series is set in, and right, you know I think that but they wanted to you know Laurie has said. Um, she doesn't want to do another quest for glory game. She feels like she's done telling that story, but telling other stories mm-hmm. within that world is something that I, th- you know, she's I think is very interesting to her. And so, you know, that's kind of where where here here you grew out of. And you said sort of quest for glory adjacent, and that's absolutely, you know, I think what it is is that they, um, yeah, you know, they they just wanted to tell a different story, just that just happened to be set in that same world.
0: Kind of kind of like the the anti ken and roberta williams who once they were out they were out
1: Mm -hmm. well i i don't know if you've heard apparently they are making a new game so really yes yeah it was ken williams announced it on his facebook page maybe about a month ago and very scant details i i from my understanding it involves vr in some way um which automatically Mm -hmm. i'm just like (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah not not for me but maybe for maybe for other folks but probably not for me
0: it's gonna be, it's gonna be the the like 40th anniversary remake of mystery house it's oh my like God. fully immersive you can watch you can watch the pixels draw the lines
1: <laughs> that would be Im- that would actually be amazing i would put on vr goggles to play that i'm not gonna lie
0: yeah well that's super interesting to me to hear that they're going to be doing uh another game just because like from everything i had heard over the years even before i read ken's book it was just like, oh, well, we're done. That was a chapter in our lives that we're very proud of, but we're done. We're into boats and writing about Ireland now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know <laughs> they they did. I th- I honestly think the fan interest in them has possibly nudged them back into it a little bit because you know between between the mm-hmm. books between because Ken Ken and Roberta were both really involved in the Sierra adventure. Ken wrote his book. There was a documentary series that aired on netflix i want to say about the history of video games and there was a great spot about Mm -hmm. sierra and roberta williams and you know i I think that my guess is the interest has sort of like they're like well maybe yeah so
0: because like they've never they've like always been sort of like anti-interview over the last 20 some years
1: yeah especially roberta yeah
0: Well, that's cool. That's something I'm gonna ha- I, like. I'm, as soon as we're done with this, I'm actually gonna go take a look at that. That that interests me. I've always like, I've always loved the stories that she told. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it seemed like he was always dedicated to finding ways to bring her stories to life, whether like figuring out the budget for it or figuring out the technology or just flat out inventing the technology for it. So yeah. that would be really interesting. Uh, to see if they end up like dipping a toe back into that. I mean, I guess it's easier now for somebody with an established brand like them, even if it's sort of been uh, in stasis for a couple of decades to with with so much crowdfunding nowadays for these kind of passion projects. Totally. Uh, It it seems like if like Roberta Williams was like, I am starting a Kickstarter, it would be one of those ones that's funded within 24
1: hours. I I was going to say, people will just line up to, to throw money at it, which is great. I mean, that, you know, Good for her, and good for you know, I think it's good for whatever they do is gonna be interesting and and good for overall you know just game development and you know another interesting mm-hmm. chapter in in kind of adventure gaming, so yeah,
0: yeah, no, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited about that, but um, stepping away from like the Coles and just sort of like the whole Sierra backstory and everything a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to talk about just sort of adventure games overall. You talked about playing um, Quest for Glory with your with your friend and that sort of got you into it. What like what other adventure games and stuff did you play back in the day? Were you just sort of going after everything like from LucasArts and Sierra or were you just very like core focused on Quest for Glory?
1: It was it was a whole lot of everything. I um, so I started right around the King's Quest for. Space Quest Three era, like where you know, so so after you know Sierra had moved to their new the EGA interpreter and um, where they could do mm-hmm. like you know graphical dithering and stuff to make the games look cooler, so it would have mm-hmm. been like late eighty eight, early eighty nine, somewhere in there. And so I, I really haven't played much before that, like King's Quest One and Two, and I don't even think I've ever played Three. Um, you know, I I've, I've never played those. But you know, Kings Quest, mm-hmm. uh, Kings Quest Four, Space Quest Three, um, Loom. The you mentioned Monkey Island. They're apart from Quest for yeah. Glory. They're probably my favorite adventure games. And in fact, I'm uh, just going to throw that out there. Ron Gilbert, if you want to do a book about Monkey Island, hit me up in eight in eight months. Uh, you know, I might be. Free. Hey man, because you know
0: Ron, Gil- you know Ron Gilbert listens to this podcast.
1: <laughs> you I'll tell know.
0: you in praise. <laughs> in like so many times i was like i've been like man i w- why don't they make a monkey island movie and then I, I i have to remind myself
1: they did they just called it pirates of the caribbean of the Caribbean, yeah exactly so yeah, yeah. but yeah. um you know so uh let's i'm trying to think of some others um gabriel knight obviously Lo- i'll
0: do t- um, you, you you mentioned loom you mentioned mm-hmm. loom that's something that like that's kind of like a like definitely a b-side these days you now like people don't really talk about loom but man that was a very very interesting game it had really good um like puzzle mechanics yeah um i loved that game
1: yeah it was it, it was i think way ahead of its time in a lot of ways and I, still to this day one of my favorite games to replay so
0: yeah I only played it because I bought it on one of those like LucasArts packs where you it was like, you know, like 10 games Mm -hmm. in there and Loom was in there. So I'm like, oh okay well, I'll give this a try. And like it wasn't my favorite game or anything, but it was just very technically proficient and it was just very well done.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you're if you're a fan at all of those kind of games, like if you enjoyed Monkey Island or King's Quest or something, try Loom. It's worth it.
1: Yeah, the and the elevator, the elevator pitch for that is the interface is done completely with musical notes. So yeah. um, that's there, there you go. It, that's how it's interesting, or at least part of how it's interesting. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I, I, I that's that was definitely what I was talking about. But yeah, it's it's like it's super interesting. I'm kind of surprised you haven't played any of like the um, the like EGA, like like pre King's Quest IV, um games
1: yeah that kind, of, I,
0: that kind of surprises me
1: it's i think they were you know i can tell i could probably tell you why the so the text parser in those games didn't pause the game's action so oh yeah i'm very
0: familiar yeah king graham died many times because i couldn't type quickly
1: exactly and so you know as i was still learning to type you know by king's quest 4 and space quest 3 and Heroes quest you type something in the the text box pops up and it pauses the action on the screen so you could take all the time in the world to type what you wanted i think that actually just appealed to my you know 11 12 year old self who was not a proficient typist by any stretch
0: right 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 yeah um did you ever um did you ever play the any of the um adg interactive remakes like king's quest 2 uh
1: no the only one i played actually was the quest for glory two remake so and i've only done yeah, which only was very good it, it was really good yeah like really good mm-hmm. um it was i've and, actually only done and, it once but
0: yeah and for context uh adg interactive it used to be called like Tierra.net, but it's just a fan group that's been around for like 20 years mm-hmm. um because i was in college when i discovered when when they were working on king's quest 2 but they've remade a lot of those old adventure games in a modern style and switch them over from like text parser to the standard like SCI point and click interface, which makes them a lot more playable. And for a game like King's Quest 2, which kind of had a threadbare story, they expanded on it a whole lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard nothing yeah. but good things. It's one of those things I will actually now that ScumVM supports uh, AGD <laughs> games, um, I will probably mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be much more inclined to do it. So.
0: Yeah. And and King's Quest 3, um I had a really rough time with that game. Mm-hmm. Um but it it was good. Like it was probably the most like it was the first sign of what the King's Quest series would become because it became less simplistic than the yeah. two games that came before it because there was like mm-hmm. a magic system and everything like that that you could use mm-hmm. and you had to do a lot of sneaking around and stuff. So it was trying to do different and new things with the format i would recommend giving it a try one day
1: okay i absolutely will yeah and i know it's it features prince alexander right as Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. well spoilers spoilers uh, that's right i guess yeah you don't know that at the beginning but um (laughs) right whoopsies but uh, no no no. it
0: features a kid named guadian who looks a lot like uh, alexander
1: from king's quest six got it okay Yeah, because King's Quest VI is probably that, and Gabriel Knight are my two favorite non-Quest for Glory Sierra games. So I, I love King's Quest VI. It is just
0: talk to me. Talk to me about King's Quest VI because that was the first King's Quest game um, I actually like bought separately. Mm. Um, uh, Like, tell me why you like it so
1: much. I think there's something about the story that really rung a bell with me right you know because i was probably 14 when i played it and so i was at a very like it's that sort of golden age for consuming media when like things sort of enter your psyche and just sort of stick there and especially Mm -hmm. the parts where again spoiler alert you travel to the land of the dead and confront the the lord of the dead that big you know
0: that was an like dude the art for that was amazing. So good. I, I and I love the solution to that puzzle
1: too. It Yes, exactly. The, the solution to the puzzle is amazing. I, that art has stuck with me, you know, even now, like I would hang that on my wall.
0: We're talking so, about it and I can just see it so perfectly clearly in my head. Cause it's so memorable.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So you, you're, you know what I'm talking about and, and like just having yeah. that, you know, I think having that at that time, just really, you know. Like, I've used that notion of, like, confronting, you know, death of the Lord of the Dead, which I realize is, you know, just a trope in literature. But, you know, I've used it in several different things I've written over the um, over the years. And I've always thought back not to, like, Greek myth or anything, but to Quest for Glory 6. So
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, do you you have a girl in the tower on your MP3 player?
1: Um, Yes. And I'm going to (laughs) be I'm going to totally nerd out for like um 30 seconds so we're talking
0: about quest for glory and uh, like and point and click adventure games on a gaming
1: podcast we're well past the nerding out stage okay great in in that case i'm going for it so i got into vinyl records a few years ago i found a Mm -hmm. service in portland actually that will cut you oh a, god a, a i know Bible i can record. see where this is going yep i so can I, see where this is going i hauled out my old cd i ripped a flack version of girl in the tower and i had them cut it on a 45 for me so that's amazing it. yeah it's, and I, I actually commissioned someone to make it look like you know put the sierra logo on the label and everything to make it look oh like it was a sierra release i so, yeah. i bow to your nerdery in this <laughs>
0: situation that's pretty amazing yeah I'll, yeah I'll girl that a picture
1: oh please do it's pretty like, amazing.
0: girl in the tower was like uh, that was like for sierra wasn't that like their first like big like mm-hmm. original musical composition that they did like they did original music for all their games but it was like you know sound card type stuff right But this was like an honest to god song that was mm-hmm. written and performed
1: like a sort of like a power ballad i mean i guess and yeah but like they sent out i remember they sent out you know, supposedly sent out CDs to radio stations to try to, and then told people who bought the game, that it was printed in the back of the manual, call your local radio station and ask to hear Girl in the Tower. So I lived in Bloomington, Illinois at the time, so I dutifully called the local radio station that they listed <laughs> and said, will you play Girl in the Tower? And the poor person who answered the phone is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, it's this song by Sierra. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think they may have eventually <laughs> just hung up on me, but yeah. anyway,
0: Yeah. I read that in Ken's book. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um. Let's see. And you said Gabriel Knight was your, uh, like your other favorite Sierra game that yeah. wasn't Quest for Glory. You're t- we're talking about sins of the fathers, right? The
1: first one. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. So, although, you know, I haven't played that, in quite a while, I know there was actually a like a 20th anniversary remake of it that came out. That's I, I know people are so, you know sort of mixed on in the community, but I, I haven't actually played even the original version in quite some time. So I, I have yeah. no idea how it holds up, you know, to modern. Yeah, you yeah, know, you know, you say
0: it. that I haven't played it probably in you know 20 years either and it's one of those things where i can remember it very clearly cuz to me it felt like the first like quote unquote like adult adventure game exactly, that i ever yeah. played cuz yeah. it had not like triple x adult but just like it dealt with m- mature themes and uh, like mm-hmm. all kinds of like voodoo and murder and stuff like that um so it stuck with me but it's like i almost don't want to go back and replay it cuz i don't want to
1: like ruin that right yeah i w- so similarly i i tried to replay a little bit of phantasmagoria and like mm-hmm it's it's it it, it's a little rough around the edges these days
0: so i mean it was it phantasmagoria is one of those games that it was ahead of its time and that's why Mm. we're looking back on it and it's uh rough around the edges like you know they were just trying to figure out how to cram more full motion video data onto all those cds like if they if that were made today it you know first of all it wouldn't be nearly as groundbreaking as it was but Secondly, the you could make a, a higher quality game probably in a garage with six people, totally. just from a technical just from a technical standpoint on that. That's kind of where I fell out of Sierra, and I you know I won't say like I aged out of it or anything, but I like moved on to like other stuff in my life. Like I was getting ready, yeah. I was like I was getting more involved in stuff at, at school because I was getting ready to graduate and go to college and stuff like that. So that and was it the second gabriel knight that was also full motion video
1: yeah it was yeah and that was like i i did the same thing actually i because phantasmagoria came out after quest for glory 4 did uh, by mm-hmm. maybe about a year or so and by that time i was already i was playing a lot of magic the gathering i was in marching band i was in uh you know running dnd games for people mm-hmm. and so it like i had I, I had a girlfriend um you know so there yeah. were there were other things competing for my time and so you know it, adventure games kind of and i think the adventure games too just sort of like you know they were different they weren't the sci point and click games they were like more like phantasmagoria they were more like gabriel Knight 2 and i remember buying gabriel Knight 2 and liking it and playing it but you know like I, I didn't know that Quest for Glory Five had come out until I saw it in a store, and I, you uh-huh. know, in a, it, and it same. Was the same, yeah, it same. Was the same store where we rented our movies, and we would always swing through the computer software section to just look. And I was like, oh my god, Quest for Glory Five! I don't care what it takes, I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna <laughs> buy this and play this game. But you know, but I was so out of the loop by that point with, you know, I wasn't reading interaction magazine anymore. So. yeah,
0: and you you'd lost your three and a half inch floppy disk that had your character from Quest for Glory
1: four. Exactly. I I yeah. f- i eventually f- i had to, like I think I even may have like called my mom and had her mail it to me. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah. My
0: my Quest for Glory character save disc had like an honored spot in my floppy disk storage box. Nice. Like it was like always like I had it very clearly labeled. I think I'd even made a copy of it somewhere just in case. Because I was like, I put too much damn work into this. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Because totally. I
0: mean, like for people who haven't played, the premise of the game is that you start out with the first game and you allocate some points to your skills and then you spend the rest of the game building those skills up and then you export it to the next game and you can get another 100 points on top of it. So like you go from a max of 100 to 200 to 300 to 400 um, and you just like the game does. It definitely has kind of an evolution because when it starts out, there's so much like grinding essentially of trying to get like, I remember many times in quest for glory one, I I'll, I'll level that I only ever play. Well, I didn't only ever play. I only dedicatedly played the, the remake of quest for glory one just Mm -hmm. because I like, I just couldn't deal with sort of the same thing you were talking about, about the AGI parser. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't deal with it for everything. Like, okay, throw dagger, throw dagger, (laughs) throw dagger, like behind Spielberg at the, at the target. Like for twenty five minutes, so I could get my throwing ability up to one hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it seems like there there was less emphasis on that on that kind of stuff as the series progressed, and it became a little bit more role playing focused.
1: Yes, and that was uh, that was by design. You know, again, I think you you asked me earlier about like you know was with hindsight, is there stuff they would do differently? And you know, that was one of the things that. Corey called out was, you know, I think they, there was too much emphasis kind of on, on grinding and stuff in the, in the first game, probably in the, e, uh, the EGA version, you know, more explicitly. And I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I, I prefer the EGA version, but that's purely a visual choice. It's, mm-hmm. it's what I grew up on. I love the graphic style of it. Um, is as kind of, you know, as 16 color as it is, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. i mean yeah like
0: i you know i love i love king's quest 1 and king's quest 2 and mm -hmm. they're even more primitive than that visually so Mm -hmm. i get where you're coming from yeah like king's quest 4 is probably like sort of the perfect happy medium in that whole thing Mm -hmm. for me because it's like not as polished as a vga version but it's about as far as you could go with those ega graphics
1: yeah yeah and man are there some good graphics in that game like they're just gorgeous yeah, that's um, just a fantastic game. Yeah, absolutely. That, the first King's Quest game I ever finished, although I had a hint book <laughs> that told me how to do <laughs> it. Because yeah, so
0: King's Quest Five was the first one I ever finished, and to this day, my friends and I, who are all you know orbiting forty, mm. will just launch into like some Cedric the Owl stuff. Nice. Uh, yeah, at the drop of a hat though
1: poisonous snake are, are you uh, are you have do you happen to be familiar with the classic gamers guild on uh Facebook it's a it's a that, Facebook group that but, sounds
0: familiar I don't I'm I'm not like a part of it or anything but I okay. think I'm aware of it
1: it's a it's a retro gaming group and Cedric the owl and the poisonous snake is there like it's their running gag. So you will well, you, there's just meme after meme of Cedric the Owl. So if you're look ever out, looking Graham. for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're ever looking for Cedric memes, that's where to go. I'm writing down Cedric memes on my notepad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um what what's your favorite quest for glory game out of all five of them?
1: That is an excellent question. Uh probably Heroes Quest, probably the first one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, why follow- why is that?
1: Uh, because it's the first one I played, and mm-hmm. there, it's like coming home. Whenever I play it again, it's like coming home to this cozy place. Of mm-hmm. I, I know it like I can literally get five hundred points with any character class without using any walkthroughs, just blindfold. Uh, yeah, but I, at this point, I probably could. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's like coming, it's like picking up my favorite book. And reading it again, and just loving it as much as I p- loved it when I played it the first time. Mm-hmm. And you know, close after that's probably Quest for Glory Four, which just you know has uh, I think, an amazing story. I love the setting, I love the art style. Um, but you know, here's Quest edges it out for um, just that feeling of sort of home, if you will.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna answer my own question. Uh, and I'm gonna Do say it. my favorite is Quest for Glory Two. Nice. Because I feel like that's where the series started coming into its own a little bit. It really sort of started building its lore, mm-hmm. um, like with the Wizards Institute of Technossary and Irana being unreachable through mm-hmm. that, which, you know, they probably didn't really know where they were going with that necessarily when they wrote it, but mm-hmm. they were able to. Well, actually, maybe mm-hmm. they did, because like Quest for Glo- what became Quest for Glory 4 was actually supposed to be Quest for Glory 3. So they were mm-hmm. probably laying the groundwork for that. That's something to talk about, too, is like, you know, yeah, they, you know, from my understanding is they were wanting to go straight from two to the um shadows of darkness story. But then they're mm-hmm. like, no, like that's like going from your sophomore year to your first year of college. Um, There, there needs to be a little bit more character development there.
1: Yeah. And it's it was very much a choice based on you know character development and story development because Mm -hmm. that and they felt that because there was going to be a two-year gap between the games that they didn't want people to pick up Quest for Glory what what became or Shadows of Darkness what became Quest for Glory 4 and be like wow this is dark I have no idea what's going on so they did sort of Quest for Glory 3 is this interstitial game or not Mm -hmm. it's not an interstitial I mean it's it's a You know, I I it's a full game, full, wonderful game in the series. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And and it's it's very much the Star Trek three of Quest for Glory, (laughs) I think. It's like it's not this and this is me like it's not as good as Wrath of Khan and it's not as good as Shadows of Darkness, but it serves a purpose and it can Mm -hmm. be appreciated for that if
1: nothing else. I, it has one of the things i've discovered as i've worked on the book and you know in the chapters i, I sent to you was that it had a surprising amount of depth that i didn't necessarily pick up on when i I think when i was playing it you know mostly as a when you know 13 14 year old or whatever but you know there's a lot of nuance in trying to prevent a war basically and in being a uh-huh. person who has arrived in a strange place and who, you know, starts, you're you're with your friends, but then you're sort of slowly kicked out of the places where you have friends to the point where at the end of the game, you're literally alone until mm-hmm. your friends sort of find you and, and help you out. But that's the part that sort of prepares you for Shadows of Darkness, where you show up in a strange place and you literally are alone. And you have to work from that, you know, sort of that ground floor to prove who you are and show that you're a hero and, and stuff like that but you know i have um i at the risk of opening a massive can of worms like in my head (laughs) i've I've kind of compared quest for glory 3 to um the last jedi um it is Mm -hmm. i think a complicated and nuanced story that is different from others in the series and generates feelings of like eh, you know some people really like it some people don't like it that much um you know mm-hmm. but there's i there's a great deal of you know i personally feel a great deal of nuance in in Quest for Glory 3 mm. that is that is really That's cool. a
0: good point cuz you know i haven't played it since i was a kid either and it was my least favorite when i was a kid so i've never really felt motivated Mm-hmm. to go back and replay it but you know maybe it is one of those things that like with adult eyes and an extra couple decades of experience i can like read into the story a little bit more
1: yeah and i you know i feel yeah. like i i know what the Coles were going for because they um you know well they, they told me um you know <laughs> that's yeah what i was they gonna say, say they, they told you <laughs> yeah and and so it's easy once you see that it's easy to sort of see it in the game i don't know that it always translates if you don't necessarily know that you know if, if you don't maybe sort of know what they're mm-hmm. going for but you know at the same time it's it's certainly there it's just it's just a you know a subtler sort of narrative than you know i don't know um mm-hmm. <laughs> baba yaga Batman, no no i, but, I get what <laughs> you know? yeah
0: no I i get what you're saying i get what you're saying yeah. and like i sort of like just on the surface of it agree with you now that now that you say that and i have a chance to think about it a little bit you're you're probably 100% right on that um i you know i actually looked after you and i started talking and uh, i i bought the quest for glory collection on mm-hmm. gog years ago so um i actually reinstalled 3 and you know played it for maybe like 20 minutes the other day mm-hmm. just to refamiliarize myself with it a little bit since i was reading those chapters that you sent me i enjoyed it i think i think when i was a kid part of the reason i didn't like it as much was um, Like you go from Shapir, which was this large, sprawling city in Quest for Glory 2, to mm-hmm. the much smaller area in, in the much smaller city in Quest for Glory 3. And then you've got this overworld map that feels to me a little board game ish because, like, you know, you go, you have a location, and then you walk to another location, and then you walk to another location. I missed. Yeah cut the the, like sort of the walking through the forest like the quote-unquote the rooms as they're Mm -hmm. defined in game design where you're actually like walking through the rooms in the
1: forest yes absolutely and i i i totally hear you and i totally agree it doesn't it feels very different than either one yeah or four i mean five is sort of you know sort of the same way and that you know it's kind of got the map five is
0: there. almost like its own yeah. kind of like uh, yeah it's its its own beast because it's something different like it, it but it's a different different than the kind of different <laughs> we're talking about
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's i mean in and you know it's yeah. uh, it's it's a product of you know i think four more years of time having passed between shadows of darkness and and mm-hmm. um, Dragonfire coming out yeah so
0: yeah and I would say that Shadows of Darkness is my second favorite game. Uh, like awesome. there are so many things to love about that. I love the darker story, um, not because like I'm an edge lord or anything like that. I just <laughs> I, I just really sort of appreciated the more um, um, Lovecraftian aspects yeah. to everything. I'm a total mark for uh, John Reese Davies whenever mm-hmm. he does anything, and uh, I super love his uh, narration for the game. It really added that gravitas. Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. i think the game needed um i wish that uh the town could have been bigger i wish that there could have been more like thieves guild focused stuff than what they had like i sort of understand from a story perspective why the thieves guild wasn't more fulsome but i just wish there was more there and that's again just sort of my preference for the class that i like to play but um i like how you had like the romance options um like the game took some really like haunting turns and frankly just like sort of risks with storytelling that i really liked um and even if the if the series had ended right there i think it would have been a a perfect cap to everything
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's you know you mentioned earlier like gabriel knight being a more sort of adult and that it would just dealt with more grown-up themes sort of game and shadows of darkness is Mm -hmm. very much the same you know i mean there's you know i guess like spoiler alert like literally sacrifice you know sacrificing dead children dead children <laughs> sacrificing your life to bring children back to life like you know it's yeah, yeah it's pretty intense like yeah
0: yeah absolutely I think the thing that um makes like the reason that I don't classify that as sort of like more like adult in the same way that I do Gabriel Knight is because mm-hmm. at least with Quest for Glory Four it's got that patina of fantasy to it. Yes. Whereas with Gabriel mm-hmm. Knight, you're dealing with a guy in New Orleans.
1: Right, right. Well, and, and Gabriel Knight, too, has that, or uh, Gabriel Knight as well, has that far more realistic art style where, you know, they, mm-hmm. they sort of intentionally, I think it was Andy Hoyos, who was the, art, uh, the artist on uh, Quest for Glory 4, you know, they sort of went for that more um, exaggerated look. That I think really served the game very well, but you know well it, it sort of helps remove you a little bit from you know just well the horror, yeah, you know, if you will so my
0: my favorite sort of my favorite tweak in the animation style in four is when you go from just the usual like um the normal interface to the combat interface, and it's almost like the hero becomes like super heroically proportioned and it's almost like a mortal mm-hmm. Kombat or street fighter where they've got those where he's got like the idle animations and everything yes yeah, and
1: th- that that to me just struck a whole different sort of visual chord yeah and that actually it's funny you mentioned like fighting games that actually grew out of laurie and Corey playing a bunch of street fighter on their genesis right around the time the oh that's amazing yeah so um, i mean that fits perfectly yeah <laughs> Yeah, it does. And and it and it works, you know, and they, they use sort of the um, fuzzy logic AI to, you know, do the monsters. And if you don't want to f- actually fight the arcade combat, you can just turn that on and then it'll fight for you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a really. Oh, cool yeah. Adventure.
0: I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you my I'll tell you my f- my favorite thing about Quest for Glory 4 and then we'll start wrapping up. Okay. Um, my favorite thing is when you um, go to the inn and the three townspeople who are there who sound like really bad Jack Nicholson impressions, but it's mm-hmm. three different bad Jack Nicholson impressions Yes, and all of their recorded dialogue almost always does not match the game script that shows up on screen.
1: Yes. So, so there is a patch that just came out literally, I want to say like two weeks ago that fixes that dialogue and the and the voice really yes and and adds a bunch of like uh, (laughs) that seems like such a waste of somebody's time (laughs) oh this is is, this is a i love the fan community for quest for glory because they're so dedicated this this person actually he did a patch for um quest for glory 3 i don't know maybe five years ago or so but he just released this patch and there's more than like there's a bunch of extra dialogue that's just on the um like narration dialogue that's on the game disc that just didn't play so he went through unlocked it all so it'll all play um so you get more john reese davies and uh you know there's this there's like i think some just content that kind of bugged out like there's an extra fight in the castle anyway um i can send you the link or or you know post it to twitter or whatever it's worth watching oh man yeah please do checking out please do i'll put it in
0: the. I'll put it in the show notes on this because like I wish you could see my face right now because I'm just like <gasps> I'm just like an emoji, a, a surprised emoji with just my mouth wide open while you're awesome. talking about this. Awesome. So that's just amazing. I just imagined like the, the the guys in the inn. I just imagined that they just let the voice actors just run wild and mm-hmm. they're just like, yeah, this improv is fine. Let's just keep going with it. Whatever. Let's just put it in the game. Uh, <laughs> don't even worry about changing the script. Nobody's going to care.
1: Yeah. that's definitely how it reads yeah so it's really um it's really cool and i love i love that it's like three different you know like jack nicholson and one flew over the cuckoo's nest like jack nicholson and i don't know maybe like uh what's the the, probably batman Batman or something yeah yeah exactly so
0: (laughs) i was watching uh, the the only reason that was sticking out in my head right now is because i watched um After after like after you and I started talking, I think it was very shortly after I started following your Twitter account for this. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, oh, man, I really miss Quest for Glory. And I watched uh, like uh, a a whole Let's Play of Quest for Mm -hmm. Glory 4. And I got to sort of relive all that stuff. Like while I had it on in the background while I was working on other things and actually didn't have to invest the time in replaying the game. (laughs) But it was it was nice to rediscover some of that stuff.
1: Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, but. But uh, as we wrap up here, because gosh, we've been going for like more than an hour. This is I've really enjoyed just sort of nerding out about, yeah. n- you know, late 80s and 90s uh, point and click role playing games or yeah. point and click adventure games. Me, me um, too.
1: F- Thank so, you for. Yeah, thank you. I, this has been awesome. So
0: no. But, like, yeah, like we should do this again sometime and just like talk about the King's Quest series or something like that and just jaw about it. But um, so uh, it's Jason Michael. And the title of the book, as of now, at least according to you, is "Questing for Glory."
1: Mm-hmm. That's right, "Questing for Glory." Uh, subject to change. Um, there is a mm-hmm. group of speedrunners who use "Questing for Glory" as their um, as their name, which uh, we did not realize when we chose our name. We just haven't revisited the name yet. We'll probably do that closer to launching the Kickstarter.
0: OK, so obviously there are about a thousand good reasons for people who are fans of this game series and just fans of this genre uh, to pick up this game. Let's say. Let's say you never really touched a lot of those uh, point and click adventure games. What what would be a cool motivation for somebody to check out your book um, if you don't have that kind of like the kind of like fluency that you and I seem to have in talking
1: about this? Sure. I, well, I certainly hope that it offers an interesting historical perspective on game development in you know kind of the late mm-hmm. 80s and, and early 90s, early to mid 90s. And you know there's there's a lot of historical artifacts in it that I think people will 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 find interesting, but also just a look at how a group of creative people, all came together to create, you know, to make something really cool, you know, really interesting, this, this amazing game series. And, and so I would hope that, you know, if anyone's just kind of interested in like how things are made, like, you know, they could kind of show up and, and, you know, get something out of the book for that as well. That's fantastic.
0: Um, I'll put all, I'll put this stuff in the show notes too, but why don't you throw me uh, some plugs for
1: like your social media website, stuff like that yeah so um my most active social media is just at qfgbook on twitter and then the website is www.qfgbook.com where you can sign up for the mailing list the mailing list will only email you as soon as the kickstarter's live that's all it exists to do is just let people know hey the kickstarter's live or crowdfunding is live come and come and Um, support our project so um and what kind of what kind of timeline do you have for that that is an excellent question the my best guess is that it would be middle of next year and the reason for that is we're trying to get as the book as finished as possible before we go into the kickstarter because i don't want to crowdfund and then continue to write the book i want to crowdfund and immediately turn around and pay an editor to edit it so
0: yeah, that's the smart thing to do. How about how about when you get the book done? Maybe you uh, send me some of it and I can read it and then we can talk about this again close to your Kickstarter that and I can be, help you
1: advertise your Kickstarter. That would be awesome. I'd love it.
0: OK, all right. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking time uh, out of your evening to talk to me like where, where I am. It's like just after 11 o'clock at night on a Friday right now. And I've had a long ass week and it has been. <laughs> So great to cap off that week talking to you for more than an hour about something that brought me so much joy when I was a kid uh, and just like talking to somebody else who sort of knows what I'm talking about with the kind of uh, feelings of, of happiness and satisfaction and enjoyment that comes from these games is just uh, that is just a fantastic way. Uh, for me to end the day before I go to bed tonight and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this and I appreciate you taking the time to write this book because I sure as hell I'm going to read it because this you you're writing this book for me basically Uh, (laughs) this is the kind of stuff that I want to sit down and read like just my 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 gaming life has led up to reading this book and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, thank you so much. And thank you for inviting me on. I had a wonderful time. As you can tell, I love talking about this stuff. I've been living and breathing Quest for Glory for more than a year now as I've been working on this project. I will sit up on a Friday night and talk about it because I love it. Um, Thank you for the opportunity (laughs) to do so. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, man. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon when the book comes out.
1: Sounds great. Thanks.